Hey everyone, so initially I had a completely different topic in mind for this week's show, and then the other night I happened to notice another amazing atheist video in my feed. In this one, TJ responds to a TYT review of Joker, and you guys know me, I'm kind of divided on the Young Turks. On the one hand, I've been listening to and watching them for a very, very long time. In fact, they were one of the very first podcasts I ever downloaded back when I got my first iPod. And being a left-leaning person myself, there's a lot I agree with them on. Getting money out of politics, fighting for equality, holding those in power accountable, etc., etc., but then some years back, I started to become disillusioned with them when they started calling out high-profile atheists like Harris and Dawkins for supposedly being too critical of Islam or being quote-unquote Islamophobic in their eyes. I don't think we should demonize Muslims and we should respect others as human beings no matter what their creed, but they did seem to go out of their way to handle Islam and its practitioners in particular with kid gloves, a courtesy they certainly didn't seem to show or extend to other religions, especially Christianity. And I found this, as an atheist, to be somewhat hypocritical and turned me off. But after a long hiatus, I did start watching them and listening to their audio podcast again. And once again, I found myself agreeing with them on many things. All that being said, I have to say this review of Joker is one of the most obnoxious things I've ever listened or subjected myself to. It's very short, uh, only about three or four minutes long, but the reviewer packs a record amount of wrong into that small time frame. I myself didn't think Joker had much to say on the topic of race, but this reviewer just rails against the film for supposedly being racist and tries to claim that the main character has a problem with black women. So since a Patreon supporter requested that I do a Joker review, I figured two birds, one stone. I'll respond to the TYT video and review the film while I'm at it. And I should mention in fairness that the reviewer isn't one of the more prominent hosts of TYT. It's not Jank, Anna, or John, or someone like that. The review was published on that uh, TYT Investigates channel, one of the many kind of sub or satellite channels in the TYT network or under the TYT brand. And I actually have no idea what the reviewer's name is, but we'll see if he mentions it as we go. And so before we start the clip, just a brief introduction to the movie Joker. Most of you probably already know the basics. The film is an origin story of the wildly popular Batman villain. I believe the comics propose a few different possible origins for the Joker, the most prominent being that he falls into a vat of acid while being pursued by Batman. The chemicals in the vat disfigure him and give him his trademark characteristics, the rictus grin, white face, and green hair. Joker writer and director Todd Phillips, who was previously, uh, it's safe to say, best known for his comedic works like Old School and the Hangover movies, wanted to offer a more realistic and gritty origin story, a kind of disturbing psychological drama or thriller packaged in a comic book movie wrapper. Now, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the release of this movie. The mainstream media seemed to be drumming up fear that the film would have a dangerous appeal to lonely white males with a chip on their shoulders, the so-called incels or involuntarily celibate, and that this could lead to violence. The concern went so far that law enforcement officers were even stationed at movie theaters during the film's premiere, uh, or 
its release, rather. Fortunately, so far, it seems that all the fear and concern was much ado about nothing. And although I believe Todd Phillips may have made some public statements regarding quote-unquote woke culture, I seriously doubt he specifically crafted the Joker as a rallying cry to so-called incels or disenfranchised white males. In my opinion, it's a well-crafted film that deserves to be judged on its own merits without being tainted by online politics. To me, Joker harkens back to the gritty Scorsese films of the 70s and 80s, and I believe Phillips himself has openly admitted that this was intentional and that the film draws inspiration from Scorsese classics like Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. In the spirit of intellectual honesty, yes, those two films as well as Joker do focus on disenfranchised loners. But once again, that doesn't mean that the film was especially crafted for incels or that the film will somehow lead to real-world violence. In fact, when compared to other Hollywood offerings, such as John Wick, I'm a fan of that movie series too, Joker offers a relatively modest body count interspersed with long periods of dramatic buildup and character development. The Joker isn't the story of someone glued to a gamer chair in his mom's basement with a disdain for blue-haired college girls and stuffing his face with Oreos. It's the story of an abused and broken human being struggling with severe mental illness who slips through the cracks and eventually reaches a breaking point or snaps. I guess if you're deranged or really have a chip on your shoulder, you could see it as a call for an uprising. But outside of just being a kind of filmmaking experiment where he wanted to see if he could make a movie where he told a comic book character's origin story in a realistic and gritty way, I don't even know if there was necessarily a social message Todd Phillips was trying to deliver. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. To be honest, I haven't personally read or watched that many interviews with him, at least not where that's discussed explicitly. But if someone asked me what message I personally read into it or took away, it would probably be that we should be kinder and more accepting of people on the margins of society, try to build a stronger safety net or social system to help keep them from slipping through the cracks, and do our best to help destigmatize mental illness and not treat people suffering from it like lepers or freaks. Anyway, let's roll that not-so-beautiful bean footage. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? Joker has a problem with black women. The black woman he wants, the black woman who has the nerve to tell a strange man to leave her son alone. And not one, but two black women who appear to be social workers or doctors, but either way, just don't get it. This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? And don't forget the teenagers, definitely not Caucasian, who assault Joaquin Phoenix's character, Arthur Fleck, for no reason. You see, Arthur is a victim. He's the straight white guy telling women to smile more, or better yet, to laugh at his jokes. So let me work backwards here. So there's this faux pas that many women supposedly find invasive or offensive, where a guy will come up to a woman minding her own business or whatever and say, Hey, smile, or you should smile more, toots. What was that? That was like a cross between a construction worker and George Car <laughs> bad George Carlin imitation. Uh, did I ever say toots before in my life? Anyway, uh, this is something we used to hear feminists bring up a lot online. So the fact that the reviewer brings it up here makes me think that right off the bat, he's trying to paint Joker as a kind of chauvinistic or anti-feminist film. 
And I think already he's really reaching, and there's going to be major spoilers throughout this response slash review, so be forewarned. The main character portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix is Arthur Fleck, and of course, over the course of the film, Arthur eventually becomes the Joker. But Arthur starts out as a very timid and broken human being, the type of person who would most likely meekly keep to himself when passing a stranger, not proclaim that they need to smile more. And the thing about wanting people to laugh at his jokes, well, he's an aspiring comedian, albeit a very cringe-inducingly bad one, so of course he wants people to laugh at his jokes. And don't all of us want people to laugh at our jokes? No one wants to experience that horrible, awkward feeling where a joke falls flat. But there's no scene in the movie where Arthur or the Joker goes up to a female character and demands that they laugh at one of his jokes. So once again, I feel that the reviewer is really stretching or reaching here. And I should say that the movie does a great job of recreating that horrible, awkward feeling of a joke falling flat, or of people laughing at you instead of with you. There's a number of vicariously awkward moments that kind of make you squirm in your seat in embarrassment for the main character. So now to address this idea that the main character has a problem with black women. So the feeling I get from the movie regarding casting is that, and maybe I'm being too charitable, who knows, is that race wasn't even necessarily an issue or maybe they were intentionally trying to be inclusive because there are a number of people of color in this movie but there doesn't seem to be any emphasis on their race. It almost feels like they could have been swapped out with another actor of any color or ethnicity without it affecting the script in the least. There are four different women of color that share the screen with Joaquin Phoenix at varying points in the movie and all but one seem to be portrayed as at least somewhat decent people. <laughs> The only really nasty one is the woman on the bus. Near the beginning of the film, Arthur is on the bus and a small kid turns around and looks at him. Arthur's day job is performing as a clown. So he and the kid kind of form an instant rapport and start making silly faces back and forth. And then suddenly the boy's mother snaps at Arthur and tells him to stop bothering her kid. This is when we first learn that Arthur has a condition that causes spontaneous laughter at inappropriate times. Arthur feels stressed or hurt by the mother's reaction and bursts out into a fit of laughter and hands her a card explaining his condition. So this woman is by far the worst. She could have been more good-natured and given Arthur the benefit of the doubt that he was just, in, he was just innocently trying to entertain her kid during a boring bus ride. But you could also argue, I guess, that she was just trying to be a good or protective mother and that in this dystopian version of Gotham, you have to be extra careful regarding strangers. Either way, she definitely comes across as unpleasant. The second woman of color we encounter is a kind of social worker. Arthur's in her office for a routine appointment and they're seated across from one another. I think you might get the feeling that she's maybe overworked and overburdened, kind of worn down by the job. But at the same time, she tries to do her job, tries to make sure that Arthur is keeping up with his journal homework and that he's not, you know, being over-medicated. And she doesn't come across as necessarily unpleasant. I think the impression we're supposed to get is that despite being a human being trying to conscientiously do her job, at the end of the day, she's yet another worn-out cog in a 
failed system that allows people to slip through the cracks. The next woman of color is a young woman who lives in Arthur's building. And I have to admit, I found this actress so attractive that I did a little creeping, looked her up on IMDb, and it turns out she's actually uh, biracial. I believe she's half German. Not sure if that affects the, uh, the reviewer's theory or not. And so the movie leads us to believe that Arthur and this young woman enter into a romantic relationship. We see them walking the streets together. We see her cheering him on in a comedy club. And we see them passionately embrace after a pivotal scene in the movie where Arthur is attacked by some young Wall Street types on a subway. But this is really a dark movie, and once again, spoilers in all caps, it's suddenly revealed that the entire relationship has either been a rich fantasy or an outright delusion in Arthur's head. The young woman finds Arthur in her apartment, sitting at the table, and is understandably taken aback. Turns out she doesn't even know what his name is. So even though visibly shaken, she remains relatively kind and compassionate, and even asks if there's someone she can call for him. So I personally thought she was actually a very likable character, both the fantasy version in Arthur's head and the quote-unquote real-life version. The last woman of color is a psychiatrist, I assume, working at the insane asylum where Arthur slash the Joker, uh, or simply Joker, is imprisoned at the end. I imagine it's Arkham, but I'm not sure. Now, similar to the social worker type character mentioned earlier, this character seems like she's trying to do her job. She doesn't come across as antagonistic or unpleasant at all, which perhaps makes it all the more disturbing when we see Arthur escaping down the hall, leaving a trail of bloody footprints. Since she was the last person we see him with, we're led to believe the blood is hers. So with the exception of the mother on the bus, none of these women of color really seem to be portrayed negatively at all. And as I stated earlier, that could have just as easily, uh, you know, they could have just as easily have been switched out with actresses of any color. It's as if the movie takes place in a realistically ethnically diverse environment and some of the figures just happen to be black. And there are men of color in the film as well, and the reviewer mentions the scene at the beginning of the film where a bunch of kids attack Arthur, according to him, for no reason. And it is true, these teenagers who attack Arthur do appear to be Hispanic. Arthur is trying to earn money by twirling a big sign around outside of a shop, and the kids steal his sign, and he chases them down an alley where they proceed to break the sign on his face and kick the living hell out of him. And to me, this is possibly the most racially loaded moment in the film, if you want to view it that way. You have a gang of Latino kids attacking this poor white guy in the clown shoes. To be honest, the first time I watched the film, I didn't really think about race. I just saw a group of kids cruelly messing with the main character. If I'm going to be charitable, I would say the film is supposed to take place in a big city, namely Gotham, and it's depicted as being similar to 1970s New York, and the particular borough it takes place in seems to have a mixed demographic with a high percentage of minorities, African Americans and Latinos, and so it happens that the kids who jump him happen to belong to an ethnic minority. But once again, being charitable, hopefully we're not supposed to read too much into that or be invited to demonize the ethnicity they represent. 
And there's also a male actor who happens to be black who shares a chunk of screen time with Joaquin Phoenix. When Arthur learns some disturbing facts about his mother, he goes to the mental hospital where she was committed and asks a guy at the, uh, you know, behind the counter, the aforementioned black actor, if he can see her records. The character is depicted as being very sympathetic and friendly and even puts himself out by retrieving the records for Arthur. Arthur basically repays him by wrestling the records out of his hands and running away. No one ever said Arthur was stable. So I don't think Arthur is depicted as specifically having a problem with black women. Not at all. He's more of a deeply troubled individual who's fed up with the system that repeatedly fails him. And the color of the people he's interacting with is seemingly moot. I mean, would he prefer it if the movie were completely whitewashed? Would he be complaining about how women of color aren't being represented in important roles like social workers and mental health professionals? Anyway, onward. You have to wonder whether the movie is satirizing white dude victims all over the country, the incels who can't get anyone to love them. Except that Joker is also the hero of a working class uprising, Occupy Gotham, in clown masks, I guess, and even says explicitly at one point that he's not political. But Joker the movie is very political, and that's what makes it a real mess, literally. In fact, the first thing you learn is there's a garbage strike in Gotham City. The city is literally filthy, because sanitation workers have had the nerve to organize to fight for their own self-improvement. Okay, let's work backwards again. Is he suggesting the makers of the film are trying to slam sanitation workers? I think more likely it's just supposed to represent the state of unrest in the city. And depending on how you look at the film, it can be seen as actually being pro-lower and working class people. It seems to be a kind of cinematic Rorschach test. Whether you see it as being left or right or pro or anti-lower class is kind of uh, in the eye of the beholder and depends on what you choose to take away from it. And he tries to pull a gotcha, saying there's an inconsistency in the fact that the Joker claims to not be political and yet is responsible for a political movement. That's kind of the point. I think it's meant to be intentionally ironic. You have a loner who's just trying to survive the day and ends up accidentally starting a political movement. And the Joker being apolitical and yet reveling in chaos, this is classic Joker. He's not trying to intentionally strive for a political change, but delights in watching the world burn through the backseat window of a cop car. The Joker has always been about stirring up chaos. And so to give a little more context, once again, spoilers, all caps, Arthur is riding the subway at night, decked out in his work uniform, yes, which is a cloud suit complete with silly wig and red nose. Three young drunk, uh, entitled Wall Street type guys board the train and proceed to harass a young woman. And this is what I find the most offensive about this movie. I was on IMDb scrolling through the complete cast list. And the young woman is listed as flirting woman on train or something like that. And I'm thinking that, you know, that ain't flirting, man. Uh, who worded this? She's completely minding her own business with her head down. And they're crudely hitting on her, tossing french fries at her. And she's pleadingly looking over at Arthur for help. Now, Arthur is a very meek character, almost childlike at times. And you can tell he feels bad and wants to help, but he's afraid. This causes him to burst out in one of his nervous bouts of mad laughter. The three Wall Street douches turn their attention to Arthur and begin kicking the tar out of him. He's finally had enough. Bernie gets style, if you're old enough to get the reference, guns them all down. So it gets in the papers that a guy in a clown mask killed these three young Wall Street types, and that's what sparks the revolution. 
Soon people begin appearing everywhere wearing clown masks. And I almost forgot to mention that the three guys on the train, white like most of Arthur's victims, but onward. Director Todd Phillips is being praised for making a realistic movie and even said he wanted to make a real movie disguised as a comic book movie. But any real person inspired to real violence by this real loser is themselves a real loser who can't tell that the movie itself doesn't know what the hell Arthur Fleck is other than the movie's supreme confidence that he, this poor white male victim, has something important to say about modern times. So I personally don't refer to people as losers. I think it's cruel and dehumanizing to attempt to write off or define someone as a single hurtful negative label, loser, white trash, n-word, etc. But he's right in the sense, if you kill someone or commit violence because of a movie, you've got serious issues. And you can hear the smarmy way he mocks the idea Joker, either the film itself or Joaquin Phoenix's character, might have something important to say about society. Uh, well, to hearken back to the beginning of this review, I think it can be seen as having something important to say regarding those who slipped through the cracks, the stigma around mental illness, and even the class divide. And by the way, we literally see the real movie Modern Times in one scene. That's how on the red nose this movie is. There's a very simple cure for whatever made-up mental and emotional problems Arthur Fleck has, and it's caring about other people in some way other than wanting their laughter, adoration, or other narcissistic gratification. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, the healthy and positive worldview to embrace would be trying to care about others and treating people well. But at the end of the day, this is uh, the Joker we're talking about. If he was a healthy, confident, stable individual who runs a pet rescue and works for the Salvation Army on the weekends, I mean, we wouldn't have uh, much of a movie, would we? This is a reimagining of the Joker's origin story, not Superman's, right? And that being said, he does legitimately seem to care about his mother. Well, up until the point where he finds out he's adopted and she used to let her boyfriends abuse him to the point where he develops brain damage. Imagine if Anakin Skywalker could just learn to be less insecure and honestly and openly share his feelings with those he loves. Well, that would be uh, nice, right? But no Darth Vader. And as for Arthur's mental illness being made up or not realistic, well, it's probably safe to say if we were going to uh, create a profile for him that he suffers from depression, there's the line where he tells the social worker, all I have are negative thoughts, probably suffers from trauma from being abused, has that laughing condition, which is actually a real disorder. And if he actually did believe he was in a relationship with that woman, Woman, then that would mean he was suffering from delusions and could be schizophrenic or bipolar. Anyway, onward, Buttercup. And it's not just Joker who's angry all these black people won't laugh at his unfunny comedy. Wait, wait, wait. He's mad because black people won't laugh at his jokes? When in the movie does he ever try to specifically make black people laugh? The only time we see him really telling jokes is when he bombs at a comedy club and then on the Murray Franklin show. Did the reviewer pause the scenes and try to painstakingly count the number of black faces in the audience? Director Phillips said he made Joker because he can't make hilarious comedies like The Hangover anymore because woke culture doesn't like it when he punches down. So instead of punching up for once, he decided to make a quote-unquote real movie disguised as a comic book movie, but actually realistic, like capital A, art. But here's the problem with Joker's realism. Real white dudes don't have Arthur's BS reasons to resent black women. 
Going off your meds doesn't really make you suddenly capable of carrying out complicated plans, committing murder, and literally getting away with murder. Mentally ill people don't really do this more than other people do. Okay, let's work backwards again. For once a good point, despite the stigma on mental illness, mentally ill individuals supposedly aren't any more likely to commit violence than people who don't struggle with mental illness. In fact, they may actually be less so. A good thing to remember. Although growing up, and this is just anecdotal, one of my older brothers was schizophrenic and could be quite violent. Yeah, good times. How's that for dark? And... He says uh, regular white guys don't have Arthur's excuses for being, may, uh, for being mad black women, won't laugh at their jokes. Did he even watch the movie? He never tries to get black women to laugh at his jokes, unless once again you're assuming there were some black people in the audience at one of his performances. And going off your meds doesn't allow you to suddenly make complicated plans. What complicated plans? He seems to play most things by ear, and even his plan uh, regarding his appearance on the Murray Franklin show seems to start off with the intention of blowing his brains out on live television. Not all that complicated, but Murray pisses him off enough where things kind of go a little bit differently. And in fact, no one does this. In three decades of urban decay in America, at no point did a lone killer inspire a movement of widespread, working-class, violent uprising. So often never took place in reality. It's a cool story development, and it's not entirely implausible. Real grown-ups don't really get physically assaulted without provocation at the rate Arthur Fleck does, suffering two terrible, traumatic beatings in the space of only a few days. Real teenagers generally don't randomly attack grown white men on busy streets in broad daylight. A group of teenage males being impulsive and resorting to violence. So unbelievable. Uh, and it wasn't in broad daylight. They beat him down once they were out of sight in an alley. And getting a beatdown twice in a crime-ridden city, you know, within a couple of days, probably isn't all that implausible. I remember hearing a story on the news just a week or so ago about a woman who got her car stolen twice in one day. Real people may suffer some of the tragedies that befall Arthur Fleck, but not all of them. This is not the real world, and it's not realistic. In fact, the relentlessly dark, hopeless, filthy, uncaring world in which Joker is justified for leading this politically scrambled, incoherent movement is only real in bad comic books. And I think, despite how confident the reviewer tries to sound, no, there are many people who have multiple tragedies befall them in life. I could rattle off uh, a laundry list of people I know, some of my own family, who have had, you know, who have suffered multiple tragedies. And I think whether or not Arthur is justified is in the eye of the beholder. And did you hear the smarmy way he closes the video? It's only real in bad comic books. I love comic book movies and fantasy in general. I'm not a comic book collector or an aficionado. I can't spit out comic book facts like some can. Uh, but still, what a smarmy way to close out his review. Just because you personally compare it to a poorly written comic book doesn't mean it's a bad movie. And thankfully, that's the end of the review. Well, his review, not mine. We still have a little, a little bit more to go. And so it's probably obvious by now that I really liked this movie. If I was going to nitpick about anything, it would probably be, uh, you know, regarding some of the math. 
I'm not sure how old Joker is supposed to be in the film. Joaquin Phoenix in real life is in his 40s. And Bruce Wayne is depicted as a young boy in the movie, not even a teenager yet. So that seems a little weird. But I guess it kind of had to be that way to make the plot work. Because near the very end of the movie, spoilers, there's the classic moment of Bruce Wayne witnessing the death of his parents. And canonically that happens when he's still just a boy. And then also, the Waynes look strangely old to have a child that young. We only see glimpses of Martha Wayne, and the actors playing her and Thomas look to be in their 60s, so she would have to have had him around 50 or so. Not necessarily implausible, but kind of a weird choice. They could have just made both of them a decade or two younger by casting younger, more youthful-looking actors, or CGI-ing the, uh, the hell out of their faces. But those were just the little things I noticed, but not enough to spoil the movie for me. I thought it was a very powerful and definitely, uh, you know, one of the best movies I've seen in a while. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening.